0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. In the late 1990s, 91 introduced something called the 91 Value Fund. A couple of years later, it was taken over by portfolio manager John Bickard. And since then, it has been an outperformer. It goes through its ups and downs. But overall, over 20 years... It has been, as I say, an outperformer by a considerable margin as well with me now is the man responsible for the value fund the ninety one value fund and that 's John Bickard. You must be very proud, John, first of all, before we get into the nitty gritty of this thing
1: yeah it 's been a, a rocky ride, as you say, and it 's uh, hard being a value manager there are a lot of good years and then a lot of bad years and You know, it's quite tough over a 20-year period. You know, I've been called an idiot five times and a genius five times. So, overall, you know, we've stuck to our guns. And, yeah, I can look back and say that we've run the course and and we've stuck to the guns over the 20 years.
0: Value is a word that I keep on hearing and I keep on having commentators on my podcast site that talk about value versus growth and value very much to the fore at the moment. You've seen it all. You've seen it all over 20 years. What have you learned about value investing during that period?
1: Well, I think if I just divide the 20 years up, I mean, basically the first seven or eight years were value years, and that was sort of 2001 to 2008. And that's actually, it was lucky for me in that it coincided with me taking over the value fund. So, For the first seven or eight years, I thought it was a pretty easy game. And I I must say, looking back, I didn't appreciate at the time how a lot of it to do, the performance was just to do where you are in the cycle. You know, it it was obviously 20 years ago and, um, and I just probably thought I was a clever guy for the first seven years, but (laughs) then the cycle turned for the, for the next 12 years. And for the next 12 years, it was very tough. So, I think the thing I've learned is the cycle is very important. I mean, obviously, I am a value manager, so it doesn't really make a difference to how I run the fund, whether, the, whether it's a value cycle or growth cycle, because, you know, I run it as I run it, but I am much more appreciative that, you know, in value up cycles, you're going to do a lot better than value down cycles. And, I, and the, the last thing I'd say is, you know, in the 12 years where value has been going down, which was the 12 years up to a year ago, um it was obviously much more difficult but in a lot of ways i look how we did over the the bad period and in a way i'm sort of prouder of that than in the in the good period because we we did keep t- you know we kept pace with the market i mean it wasn't as good as the first 8 years but actually considering that we were basically sailing into the wind for the full 11 years we actually did pretty well and in a lot of ways It was much harder, but uh, I think it's actually more of an achievement what we did in the last 10 years.
0: How did you start? What did you start with? I mean, I think it was 1997 that the fund was started. You took over in 2000, hence this chat, because you've been 20 years in charge. How much money did you have at your disposal then?
1: So I think the fund was 50 million rand when I took it over. And then at the end of eight years of good value performance, I, I, I forget exactly what the fund was, but probably in 2008, The fund was the same size as it is today. It was say 5 billion. So it went from 50 million to 5 billion. And then, um, then the tough times came and then basically we haven't had, we just had some outflows and no inflows for basically 10 years. And then in the last year, um, things have got better and a a little bit of money starting to come back into
0: value. You said in an earlier statement in this podcast, you said, I've been called an idiot five times and a genius five times. And you've just spoken about an enormous duration of time when things weren't going well. Did you ever think to yourself, well, either I'm going to get a sack here or I'm just going to give up because I'm so depressed? Do you go through those emotions as a value investor? Because you obviously need an incredible amount of stoicism and patience. Yes.
1: Well, I think you need... To have a very thick skin, and I think that's what I do have, and you need to have a lot of conviction and the one thing we do a lot is everything we buy is on a bottom up basis, so you know we have a value uh, to hang on to, so we do have something to hang on to you know we do the work on a, on a stock and we say it's worth a hundred, and then it goes to fifty you know we constantly go back and recheck the work, and it gives you something very tangible to get you through those tough times because actually the truth is to be a successful value manager, it's not really to be the smartest guy is to be, you I know, mean, obviously you need the basic analytical skills, but the thing that I think sets a good investor's part is, is as you say, that stoicism or that ability to see through the tough time and not to give up and to actually buy more of the shares you like as they fall. And, and that the truth is at the end of 20 years, that's what sets aside uh, successful fund managers from not successful. It's not because, you know, everyone in fund management has the basic skills and is similarly smart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not really, you know, it's, it's really depends on your demeanor more than actual how, how bright you are.
0: Well, the fact that you've been there for 20 years in a financial services industry, which is notorious for people moving around does say a lot. I remember during the really bad times when people would phone me up and say, why don't you interview John Bickard? Because uh, it looks as though he's on his way out or something. And I would say, <laughs> I wouldn't say anything, uh, but they did say that they people were saying that when I was yes. on radio and TV and uh, subsequently podcasting. Uh, but there, there were certain companies that I knew were in your portfolio that almost were priced for failure and yet you stuck with them and probably loaded up on more did you ever did you ever doubt your ability and your analyses um
1: no i mean obviously some of them we've got wrong you know, so over the 20 years there have been two or three companies that have gone to zero and you know but that is what we say is like acceptable losses that you know when you are value manager you know one out of every 50 is actually gonna go bust one out of every hundred hopefully and but you'll make enough money but you know the A lot of the stocks that we kept buying, and, you know, the most recent one were the platinum stocks. We We didn't really think that they were going to go bust, and, you know, we were quite convinced, and, you know, so we started buying them at 80 and finished at 20. But in in a funny way, often it's easier to buy things when they're absolutely given away than, you know, I actually found it more stressful when they start going up, and you've got to start worrying about when to sell them. That is rather than just keep on buying down. But you need a certain
0: mindset to stick with it you must be quite stressed at the moment then because you must be having to make some very serious decisions which we'll come to in a moment have the cycles changed in the 20 years that you've been in charge I mean because obviously because the world has changed and information dissemination has changed as well and economic cycles have changed and the world is a very 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 different place to 20 years ago has there been an extension of the cycle a shortening of the cycle between value and growth tell me
1: so I would just say that uh, up to the end of last year, the cycle, the down cycle for value, is the biggest down cycle that there has been on record. You know, so the previous nine years up to the end of last year was the longest and deepest drawdown that value had versus growth over a hundred-year cycle. So come the end of last year, the gap between the ten percent cheaper stocks compared to the ten percent most expensive stocks was at a hundred-year high. And the five-year rolling returns of value versus growth was at a 100-year low. So it was a very – you know, even by – you know, obviously, I haven't been around long enough to see more than one up cycle and one down cycle. But Mm. the stats show that this cycle was the longest and the deepest that values had. And that is really a function of the quite abnormal economic circumstances that we've had in the last 10 years, which is – We've had 30 years of falling inflation and 30 years of falling interest rates, both in nominal and real terms. And that has resulted in the cost of money basically going to zero at the end of last year. You know, we had bonds in the in Europe at minus a half percent and bonds in the U.S. at plus a half percent. So roughly speaking, the developed world had free money. And that meant that people would pay an infinite amount. For the promise of money tomorrow, if you like, there's no hurdle rate for the cost of money. So the most, of, the most uh, extreme examples of that is uh, uh, Tesla and Bitcoin. You know, Tesla, the promises of profits are all 10 years away. And because the cost of money is zero, people are happy to say, well, if he gives me some money in 10 years time, it's worth the same in 10 years time as it is today. So I'll pay up for that money so much. And obviously, Bitcoin is the other extreme example where there's no yield, there's no promise of a yield, and yet people will pay whatever for it. so you know this constant lowering of the real discount rate basically broke the the, the rules of finance and caused long duration stocks and bonds, which are obviously long duration, and long duration stocks, which is tech and quality to go to absurd valuations which has come off a little bit in the last nine months, but basically most of them are still close to those valuations. So this cycle is is probably unlike any cycle we've ever seen before because we've never had a world with zero interest rates.
0: (laughs) No, no, we haven't. It doesn't seem to be changing at any time, despite the fact that inflation is picking up. I still see the US 10-year bond hovering around the mid-150s, but that's semantics that need not detain us. Before we get to where you're positioned at the moment, Pat yourself on the back and give us the performance figures, the recent performance figures, please.
1: So I don't actually have that right with me, but all I know is that over the 20 years, the fund is about three and a half to 4% ahead of the benchmark per annum, which over 20 years adds up to, to quite a lot of money. I mean, I think roughly it means you land up with double the amount of money than if you had, if you put your money in the index. Over twenty year periods. You
0: are not talking about competing value funds. You are talking about the overall, uh, the, say, for example, index, an all the share index. Yeah. say
1: so the index. Yeah, the index. I think the number is somewhere between three and a half and four percent per annum ahead of the index over twenty years. Which, if you compound that, I think it, re- it roughly means you. If you put a million rand in, you'd have two million rand in the index, but you know, you'd have 4 million rand in the value fund.
0: And then you should be congratulated. Okay, let's talk about positioning now, because you've just said earlier on, you're a little bit more nervous when you have to decide when to sell than when to buy. Because if a particular stock has gone from 100 down to uh, 20, it's very, very easy if it's a good company to buy it in the 20s. But when it gets to, um, you know, 250, 300, then you think to yourself, what do I do? That must be an agonizing decision. Where are you at the moment?
1: So the, the first point is the last nine months, there has been a big recovery in value, which you've seen, which is, is a result of, as, as you say, bond yields are still very low, but they have risen 100 basis points mm. and inflation has moved up hundreds of basis points. So there has been some rotation in the last nine, 12 months from, from growth to value and that all value managers are over one year period now top of the pile. So um, – and and that – and we think that's got a way to go because, firstly, the gap was at 100-year high and now it's just come off 100-year high. And, you know, the valuation gap is still there and if, if you graph value versus growth, it's just really – you know, it's basically 12 years down and one year up. So because we think inflation is coming and, therefore, that nominal bond yields are going to continue to rise as inflation rises – we think this rotation has a way to go, but you might cynically say, I'm going to say that as a value manager. I mean, it doesn't really make much difference to me because I carry on doing what I'm doing, but obviously to the people listening to this program, that is, and I would just say to them, that's the real call they've got to make is if they think inflation, you know, the 30 years of declining inflation is over and we're going into a period of rising inflation, which is what I think it is, you know, there is a long way still to go for value stocks. So... With respect to our
0: positioning. Not Just before you give this the positioning, I, yes. I spoke to yes. an institution with a very fine name, with a good reputation in London, and I spoke to a value manager at that place. And he just said exactly the same. I could feel the enthusiasm of this fellow when I interviewed him. And he said, this is just the start, Lindsay. He said, this is a tiny blip. If you look at the difference between growth and value, value is only just registering on the graph of recovery. So you're not alone uh, with this one. And I respect this uh, chap's uh, opinion. Back it up with your positions, please. Sorry, go on.
1: Before we go into, I mean, uh, I think the key thing here is – Growth or quality or tech investors cannot argue that the cycle has normalized, so if you look at those graphs, you know they, they haven 't even come close to normalizing, so you can 't say that values are performed enough to get it back to the normal position. The only case that they would have is if inflation doesn 't come and we go back to a deflationary world of two years ago
0: yeah.
1: then there 's a case against value, but you certainly can 't argue that value has outperformed enough to return it back to the mean, because that is clearly ridiculous. Okay, so the positioning is, so just as a general comment, we're not, so while our stocks have massively recovered over the last year, you know, a lot of them, to use a simple, you know, they're stocks that were at 100, and we bought them at 30, and then they went to 10, and now they've rallied to 20, you know, I mean, just to be simplistic. And so, even though a lot of stocks of ours have doubled, they're still very cheap. So so I'm not really at that phase where I worry that I need to sell and find other things. It's more like our stocks have recovered and I'm talking about mid-caps in South Africa mainly um, and then global value stocks and we, we're kind of just holding because they, they've doubled in the last year but they're still kind of half the value that we think they should be. So it's not a stressful time yet. The only change we have made in the last six months is a year ago, we had a lot of money in gold and gold did well for us. And then we sold half of it. And in the last three months, we've been trimming back a few of the other stocks that have done well and buying more gold shares. So that's the only change we've made in response to to the rally. And that's really because over the last year, the, the fund is up a lot you know it 's up fifty or, 60% or sixty percent or so and 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 gold shares have dropped fifty percent, hmm. and um, we still like the gold price. we think there's going to be negative real rates for a long time to come, so even though inflation's going to go up and nominal rates are going to go up we think we think real rates are still in other words, the central banks are going to stay behind the curve, and because there 's so much debt in the world, real interest rates will remain negative, which is good for gold. And then very importantly, gold shares are at 20-year lows in terms of valuation relative to the overall market. So the gold shares are cheap by their standards and actually even cheap in absolute terms. I mean, you can buy a lot of gold shares on 10, 11 times earnings now. And so the shares are cheap, and we still like the dollar gold price. So the one thing we have been buying into this dip of the last three months, and we're chiseling off some some of our value stocks that have doubled to buy some of the gold shares that have halved.
0: Very good. So you've mentioned gold, I think, seven times in the last minute, minute and three quarters. You're clearly very keen on that. South African gold shares, international gold shares, gold ETFs, uh, the gold price, US dollars, derivatives. Uh, What is your favorite?
1: I think gold shares. I mean, they are obviously very leveraged to the gold price and and they are cheap relative to the gold price and in absolute terms and relative to the market. So. You know, in the old days, gold shares always traded on 30 PEs and gave you a 1% dividend yield, and it was difficult. Um, now you can go and buy a good gold share for 12 times earnings and get a 3 or 4% dividend yield. So, so gold shares are our favorite way in, at the moment.
0: Do you think I'll be speaking to you in another 20 years' time, John? <laughs> uh, part of me hopes
1: yes and part of me hopes no
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> five times yeah, you're a genius five times yeah. you're an idiot yeah. it's the same thing it's like just a 50 50 game
1: I was. <laughs> yes I'm, whereas i'm just the same guy as I always was
0: john bickard congratulations on your milestone john bickard is a portfolio manager at 91 responsible for the 91 value fund based in cape town